is this? Ah, the French. For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa! Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. First listen to the animal man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. We were divorced nine months later. If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. I'm Under what? I just want to do whatever serves the corporation best. Good night, Mr. Wilson. Good night. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Safely indoors in a Ferris wheel at the Smogville World's Fair, we are world champion podcast we is brighton and i'm sean we are two astonishingly handsome gentlemen who have signed a bad contract with the smogville world's fair to become the official podcast and our mission is to create the best podcast of all of them that's why we're called the world champion podcast right it's not the name of the show it's an it's what we an award we're giving it's a title the show actually is called uh, sean and brighton's Novelty joke hour. Mm-hmm. Fartapalooza. It's called Fartapalooza. It's the fart party. Uh, but yeah, the world champion is the title. We talk about the only things we truly understand. We talk good. We talk fast. We talk true about obscure and forgotten pop culture. And perhaps one of our most important things we do. Well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> How are you? I want to congratulate you on the first episode of season two of World Champion Podcast. Right. This is episode 53 in the uh, production order, but really this is season two, episode one. Right. Um, yes, you'll, you'll prob- you probably notice that in the titling, season two, episode one. So, so I want to start fresh. I want to start some new storylines, maybe get some closure to some old storylines. Yeah, know? I mean, the last one really ended on a cliffhanger. It did. Where we were uh, looking for a FedEx drop-off location to mail to... a box of cow shit somewhere. Yeah, what happens with that? Where, where does all the cow shit go in the mail? Yeah, well, we're not going to answer that in the teaser of episode one. No, you got to stay tuned. Right. You know, this is like The Walking Dead, where you don't find out if someone died for seven more episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he sounded like you were flirting with the girl buying t- buying athletic tape. <laughs> I'm just feeling mm-hmm. good. I'm feeling good about that structure. It's a lot less pressure to deliver. If I have seven episodes to, to come up with something interesting to say, that's that, it makes me feel kind of smug. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, enjoy season two. Yeah, I think we're really going to follow more of a of a premium cable model with this show. Yeah, that's why. I, that's why I said we'll tell you later. So I got to keep you on the hook. So we're going to have a few episodes that are all kind of lackluster leading up to a mid-season finale episode that's really great with yeah. a nice cliffhanger and then a bunch of other really drawn-out, boring episodes of people yeah. standing around talking or Big, two podcasters trapped in a Ferris wheel talking. Big cliffhanger, and then we're going to follow one of the lesser-known characters on their little adventure on the other side of the island. But, so, you know, that may sound disparaging, but... There is the potential that one of us may die. You never know. You never know. That's why you got to keep tuning in. That's another thing about season two. A lot more commercials. Right. Tons of commercials. Do you know what? Speaking of, of not commercials, but of death. Oh, yeah. I've often wondered what you would do if I tragically died. Knock on wood, obviously. I don't want to die. And yeah, I don't want you to die. What I would do? Regardless of how the season's going to end. But would you record an episode announcing it? Yeah. I'd probably get a better partner. Right. And I'd probably just keep going, but with someone who kind of oh, has their shit together. So it'd be like the, when, in the Dukes of Hazard when the cousins <laughs> right. wouldn't sign the contract, so they got their cousins. So yeah. they got guys that looked like the, the Duke boys. So yeah. you'd get someone that looked like me. Kind, uh-huh. of, yeah. kind of a hirsute, werewolf-like man. <laughs> kind of was, a beast man, yeah. A beast man, if you will. <laughs> I, I'm, to describe me physically, have you ever seen a, an American werewolf in London? I'm about the midway point between him being human and being a werewolf. So if you can picture about halfway through that transformation. So if you're pausing your VHS. Right. Yeah. That, that's about how I look physically. You know, That's kind of dashing but yet grotesque. <laughs> dashing yet grotesque. We, we need business cards. Dashing but, yet grotesque. That's how, oh, that's how we got to introduce ourselves wh- now. What, was it, what would your – would you want me to record an episode and announce Boy, it? that's so weird. I mean, yeah, because you'd want to give closure to our thousands of listeners. Right. And all the ships at sea. 
Well, that would be so hard to do. God, I don't want to start off the podcast on this. This is horrible. I've actually heard an episode of a podcast where one of the podcasters had died, and they did the next episode, and I listened just to, to hear how they did yeah. it. And God. it's and it's it's it was really sad. <laughs> I bet. So did they die suddenly? Uh, no, no, I don't want to get into it, but but the guys really kind of fell apart as they recorded, which of is course, under, of yeah. course, obviously of course. the show would end. It would be. A, I'm not going to continue with. Uh, but Ron, we'll find out. With Ron Hennifer. But still, we'll you find never out know. at the season finale of World Champion Podcast. Will we live? Will we die? We're going to find <laughs> out. So let's continue. Yeah. Um, uh, I just had an idea, but I should probably talk about it off the air. Okay. To not spoil the surprise. Good idea. So, speaking of Smogville. String it along for a few episodes. <laughs> right. That idea you have that you're going to talk about eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Three, four episodes, then you tell the idea. Yeah. You're not ready. We're, we're going to make a lot of money on this new podcast format. Plus tons of, as I mentioned earlier, tons of commercials. P- tons of commercials, man. Mountain Dew. Right. So wait, so, so, what's, so you're not telling me the idea? We're we going into the segment one? Well, yeah, let's talk about Smogville. Let's update people on this weird town we live in. Um, for, for anyone just joining us in season two, because mm-hmm. you heard all the buzz about, you know, you binge watched it. Right. Well, I guess you didn't binge, binge watch it. You binge listened on Netflix. Your friends did. Mm-hmm. Uh, we live in a really weird town called Smogville, and we're not quite sure how we got here, and we're not quite sure how we get away. Yeah, the economy is basically completely dependent on coal mining orphans and our World's Fair that we are working in the Ferris wheel, recording as we speak as the Ferris wheel intermittently revolves. Yeah, so that's, we apologize in advance for the squeaking sound. Our boss, Mr. Pumpernickel... I'm not going to say anything bad about him, but he is a psycho. He's a psycho. We still are not sure when we're going to get paid. 53 weeks, not a paycheck yet. Yeah, and Smogville is located in a valley, in a bowl. And as you can imagine from the name, I mean, it's coincidentally because it was named after Phineas P. Smog. Right. But uh, it is filled with smog, this valley. Prophetically. If you can, if you can get up in a hot air balloon, mm-hmm. you can see this layer of brown sludge that we have to breathe day in and day out. But industry is, is moving along. We're making a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Off. Smogville is the home of the world's largest coal miner graveyard. Right. We're very proud of that. We have uh, scorpions. What else? We have uh, a, our mayor. Let's talk about the mayor. Yeah. He, I guess, is officially the mayor. We had a real close election between Mayor Max Screwy. Wait, Screwy Max Duck. Yeah, his name we, is Max Duck. It's Max Duck, but everyone calls him Screwy because he's a four-foot-tall duck mayor. <laughs> and he was he was... Going against the people's pig, uh, he was thrust into the limelight, uh, uh, Zephyr the pig. He's an actual pig. He's not anthropomorphic. He can't talk. He's just a pig. Yeah. He won the election. Vanished. Vanished. And then uh, we, we didn't know, really know what to do because this, this has never really happened where the, the candidate vanished. Uh, Mayor Duck, he threw, just to, to kind of make everyone feel better, th- through the greatest luau, we had pulled pork. We had we had the carnitas tacos carni- were out oh, of this world. Carnitas tacos, bacon. We're talking pork chops. We had it all, and there he announced. Since there is no one, it sounds like Zephyr the pig just didn't. He didn't want to do it after all. He, he couldn't he, handle the pressure. He's he two towns over. He was a coward. Yeah, I'm going to say it. We we endorsed him here, but this coward left town at the worst possible moment when we, we needed him the most. And brave Mayor McDuck, he's got, you know, a mouthful of pulled pork. He's still brave enough to a continue. A beakful, really. A beakful, <laughs> a beakful of, of pork. He, he was brave enough to continue between bites of carnitas tacos to announce that he's going to be our mayor. So you know, it just occurred to me that if we want to influence local politics... Yeah. If we want to be lobbyists, if we want to be our own right. special interest group, our own pack, mm-hmm. the Ferris wheel pack. We might want to stock up on stale bread. Oh, good idea. We, yeah. buy, we buy the bread fresh, let it get stale. Let it get stale. We're going <laughs> to make out like a band. And then go to the mayoral mansion and just right. start tossing it around. That's right. Throw some bread around to see what happens, you know? Yeah. You go, get into politics, you're going to have to throw some bread around. <laughs> you got to throw that bread around, man. So, yeah, okay. Let's, let's work on that this year, too. I used to live in a duck refuge. What does mm-hmm. that mean? <laughs> I lived in an apartment complex that was built around some wetlands that was also a federally protected duck refuge. Okay. Well, not just ducks, fowl. 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, no need to be rude, but I okay. <laughs> it was really cute it, when the eggs would hatch, and you'd be walking to your apartment, and there'd be little ducklings in a row everywhere. <laughs> Who doesn't like ducklings? I know you love them. You just want to put them in your mouth and swish them around and spit them right back out. You don't want to do that every time. Catch I, and release. Every time, yeah. Every, chew, chew and release. Every time, I don't want to chew it. I, just every time I see a duckling, I just want to put it in my mouth. So it's more of a, kinda, it's more of a taste and release. I guess. I never never really occurred to me that they might taste bad. So what's the point of putting them in your mouth? I don't know. It's just a weird impulse I have. Okay. Well, um, you, you grew up in the right place. The geese were awful, though, honking all night long every morning. I had a balcony, mm-hmm. and... Um, Did they honk at night? They honk constantly. Wow. Constantly. And then what happens is if you don't every day go to your balcony and make sure there's no geese on it, they will make a nest and lay their eggs on your balcony outside your bedroom window. Wow. Yeah, and so... Uh, sounds intense. It sucked, man. This sounds like War of the Planet of the Apes, but with geese. Yeah, so it was the lady goose, the mother goose, sitting on the eggs all day. Mm-hmm. And then if I tried to go out there, the father goose, who was just roaming around, would fly up to the balcony with his wow. giant wings. Like his, six-foot wingspan? Yeah, his, his wingspan is longer than my arm span. Whoa. And he'd start flapping at me, and I'm like trying to make a burger. Right. And then the mama goose would hiss at me, I mean, it's vicious. I got pictures of this shit. This is not made up. And then they're just, they're just honking, barking all night. Just... I love that your impulse was to grab your camera. Well, yeah. I've got to document this for future generations. Because I'd be trying, like I moved out and I invited the boys over to, to barbecue some, some mm-hmm. whatever, some prime rib or whatever you do. Mm-hmm. And some it was pork, hard. Some yeah. pulled pork, some yeah. pork chops, some, some, some bacon. Some, some goose bacon. liver. <laughs> and it's out there and it's just like going like... <sighs> And their heads, like a goose's head, is like a snake. They're like bird snakes. So this are. isn't like a duck, man. These things are mean. They're mean. They're huge. You'd they're run loud. From I fucking hate them. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry, we went, we ended up going this way. No, man. This is season two. We're trying to get the, we're trying to get that audience. Yeah. So it, that was a weird a weird few years living in the ducks. But one time I did have some stale bread, and I was like, oh, this will be really cute. I'll go I'll go throw some bread at these ducks. There's at these three ducks here. Mm-hmm. The second that first hunk of bread hits the ground. Every duck in the world comes at you. And it's like The Walking Dead. It's like a herd of pack of ducks coming from all over the land. A gaggle. A gaggle. Coming right at you. Yeah, and they're just like, we want bread too. (laughs) Bread is bad for them. You shouldn't feed them bread. Well, supposedly bread's bad for us, but I'm doing great. Yeah. I love bread, man. I, I, I've come to, to terms with bread. For a long time, I was worried about gaining weight and stuff. And, and just, just recently, I finally was like, I don't give a shit. I'm eating a loaf of bread a week. I don't care who is against my toast. Yeah, boy, if there's anything, I would, I just, I would never want to find myself gluten intolerant. I can't give up the gluten. I could become a ve- You're a vegetarian? Yeah, I'm, I'm very vegetarian. I could become a vegetarian before I could give up uh, glutinous foods. Well, my diet is... Carbs, you know, is, I, love, is, I love me some carbs. My diet is almost strictly carbs. Yeah. So you're going to love it as a vegetarian. Yeah, I just want to eat saltines and boiled potatoes and mm. bread and... No, there was a night that I was boiling potatoes and cooking white rice and having a piece of toast, and you came in and said, what smells so good? It did. It smelled like so down home. I expected a feast. And I said, welcome to Carbland. Yeah, like, oh, it's white rice and a boiled potato. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you made the Ferris wheel smell so good that night. All That's right. right. So next to this n- nature reserve, was there kind of like a wooded area? Something that you would, like, maybe go chop the trees down? There is. A, there's a very busy street bisecting it. Okay. So there's the apartment complex built on a swamp. Mm-hmm. Then there is, in fact, a very mysterious wooded area right. that to this day I haven't figured out what it's for. Sometimes you hear bongos at night. Bongos. Sometimes uh, you, hear, you see strange lights. Yeah, it's true. Um, I want to read a quote to you. All right. I looked at the vague but reassuring forms of the doctors around me. Abruptly, my vision cleared. The sudden horror of what I saw rocked me as I realized I was definitely not in a hospital. I was looking square into the face of a horrible creature with huge, luminous brown eyes the size of quarters. I looked frantically around me. There were three of them. Hysteria overcame me instantly. Wow. That is a quote from one Travis Walton, who will be the topic of tonight's Mysteries of the Mysterious. 
probably our most popular recurring segment, where we describe, as you can imagine, mysterious mysteries, sometimes of the supernatural, sometimes not, but unsolved mysteries from throughout history. We don't just describe them, though. We solve them. They're solved. Yes. It's like a cold case. Um, yeah. On fantastical stories. Yeah, they call us uh, armchair detectives. Mm-hmm. They don't call us that for nothing. That's right. Or ever. <laughs> uh, Travis Walton uh, was portrayed by D.B. Sweeney in the movie Fire in the Sky. Dish from uh, Lonesome Dove. Dish from Lonesome Dove. Excellent. Excellent. Um, and and his, his other greatest work, uh, The Cutting Edge. I was going to say, and Ice Skater in I love that it. ice skating movie. That is maybe the best romantic comedy ever made. Is it a comedy? I guess so. He's a hockey player who becomes a figure skater, right? Mm-hmm. I love it. This is like the sure thing. They, they hate each other at first and then fall in love. It's the classic story. I think he's also in Memphis Belle. Which one's that one? That is oh, the, about the, uh, the, bomber? the big the bomber. Oh, that's on a good one, mission. too. That is yeah. a good movie, too. So D.B. Sweeney portrayed... I saw this movie in the theater when I was in like junior high or something. Oh, Fire in the Sky? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw it uh, when it was on HBO. Very scary movie. Scared the shit out of me. Scary story. We're going to get into it. I had nightmares about it. Um, So D.B. Sweeney played him in Fire in the Sky, Travis Walton. The real Travis Walton, who's only 22 when this happened, Mm -hmm. and looks exactly like the brawny paper towel man. You mean outfit-wise or just facially? I mean, well... Mustache? Well, he's a... Like uh, Magnum P.I.'s brother. Yeah, he's got the Magnum P.I. mustache with the brawny mustache. He is, he is literally a lumberjack, he's Travis okay. Walton. Or he works a all night and he sleeps all day. Work, sleeps all night and I work all day. Oh, right, right, I right. cut down trees, I wear high heels, suspenders, and a bra. Uh, did you know the brawny man got a makeover? What he, he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't have feathery hair and a Magnum P.I. mustache anymore. Isn't, he's just like a regular looking guy. But isn't the brawny man a painting? Yeah, he's a painting, but we'll do a side-by-side. Travis oh. Walton... Exactly like this mustache, brawny kind of blow dried hair, plaid shirt, brawny man. I mean, it's a it's a good look, man. I'm gonna make fun of we 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 can poke fun at it, but it's you know a a plaid shirt like a flannel plaid shirt that that mustache kind of like feathery hair. That's a cool look. That's very Luke Skywalker if he had a mustache (laughs) and was a lumberjack instead of a moisture farmer. I heard on the next uh, edition of the DVDs, George Lucas is gonna add a mustache to Luke. I would love that. He's going to say, Luke was, I always envisioned Luke Skywalker as having a mustache. We, Mark Hamill didn't have the technology at the time. <laughs> he didn't. Mark Hamill had not. <laughs> he wasn't pubescent enough. So that beard he has in Force Awakens, he's been working on that ever since Return yeah. of the Jedi. If by working, you mean he bought it at Costume Closet. He bought it at a novelty store, yeah. at a joke shop? That's a fake beard. you kidding me? You think that's real? That's real. Have he, you he seen Hollywood Magic? It. Oh, have you seen, ever seen CGI? Jurassic Park? That is not a real beard. Good point. I shouldn't trust anything that my eyes see in a Hollywood movie. Yep. So Travis, he's 22 years old. It's 1975, November 5th. He's a logger. He's working on a crew with seven other men. And uh, their job is basically, they're kind of freelance. I always thought that... Like mercenary lumberjacks? They're mercenary lumberjacks, yeah. So the head of their logging crew, um, who I believe is played by Robert Patrick in the movie... The uh, the Terminator. Is it really Robert Patrick? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Is this pre also T2 uh, or it must be post right? Uh, probably actually right about the same time I think. Um, also later of the X Files, so he's got a long history of UFO stuff mm-hmm. and Sopranos. Well, that's that's the one of the best episodes of Sopranos. I tell you what, <laughs> that's a great. sad one. I loved him in that season. Pathetic gambling addict. <laughs> yeah, I love. And he owned like didn't he own a used sporting goods store or yeah, something or yeah, worked there? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was his. I think he was the manager because he had an office. Mm-hmm. So he's the manager of the sporting goods store with just a terrible gamb- gambling problem. Yeah, so Robert Patrick plays the, uh, the head of this crew. But what they would do is um, they bid on it. And uh, uh, Robert Patrick's character, I can't remember his real name, Mike Rogers, he, uh, he just knew how to undercut everyone else. So he'd bid low. Mm-hmm. And then they go into the, to a plot of land, and they're just supposed to thin it out. The trees are just too close together. And basically, they're just chopping down dead trees, piling them up to burn later, so that if a forest fire comes in, it's not just a... Really? Yeah. That's what they're doing? They're specifically there, if trees are too close together, just thinning them out to help prevent forest fires. Wow. Yeah, yeah, because they're not like really using the lumber to go build Is that even stuff. a job? That sounds weird. 
Yeah, I guess that's an important one, too. But, I mean, but they're paid by the government? Who, who pays them? Yeah, it's got to be the BLM. So they were in a uh, national forest. It's called the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest. It's in... The um, Northwest, right? No, it's in southeastern Arizona, right on the what? border of New Mexico, and just a little ways uh, north of the Mexico border. So you'd expect it to be deserty. But when you look this place up, it's like... It's like you know, like, like forest. You're a classic forest. Really? Yeah, wow. your classic pine tree. I always forest. thought they were up in in like Washington. Well, that's what I thought too. I really thought they were in Washington, or Oregon, or something. Yeah, it's near Snowflake, Arizona. It gets really cold. It was by that night. It was only like ten degrees. Wait, but closer to Roswell. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Way closer. Yeah, as, that makes a, sense. As in the same state. Right on the border. Right on the border. Right on the border. As in, as in touching the border. Right. Yeah, it's, it looks like a lovely place, but, um, you know, it's really creepy. Even just reading the story creeped me out. So they're, they're doing their, their chopping. Um, and just so you know, I'm going to be directly quoting from both Travis-Walton.com, his personal account, and uh, MUFON. I'm going to be quoting from MUFON's account of this. MUFON is the Mutual UFO Network. Um, Government so I just don't want, I don't want you to think I'm trying to get credit for something I haven't done, and right. I don't want you to think I've done any research yeah it's mufon.com slash travis dash walton dash 1975 if you want to read more about this yourself but you, you don't because i'm going to give you the whole scoop you're getting it all right now yeah um so i'm gonna i'll start with his account really so they're uh they're uh they're loading into the truck now there's eight men and they're piled into a truck in a, into it, one truck what in yeah. the back i assume right? an old truck four in the front and four in the back <laughs> Four people in the front of a truck. Four lumberjacks who've been working all day in a truck. So I don't know what's going on here. This is already where we're starting to take a turn into the supernatural. Right. This is already getting kind of strange yeah. and unexplained. Yeah, really, really bizarre. Uh, 65 International. I'm looking at a picture of the truck. I don't see eight men cramming in there. It's not going to be comfortable. So this is like a clown car for lumberjacks. It's like a clown car for, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's where this, that's was the okay. inspiration for that song. They keep coming out. Um, so, you know, he's kind of, this is his account, uh, where he's talking about who's where and they get in the truck, the sun goes down. Um, the guys in the back, you know, here's how they decided who sat in the front and who sat in the back. The four guys in the back were smokers. So as soon as they get on that bouncy dirt road, miles from civilization, after a hard day of lumberjacking, the four guys in the back light up. Right. Now, can you imagine being in a truck with eight men and now four of them at the same time are smoking Marlboro River Reds? Right. That's awful. You're in flavor country. Uh, I prefer to... I didn't smoke. I rolled down the window. I liked the air. Uh, just then, my eye was caught by a light coming through the trees on the right, 100 yards ahead. Is this, this is at night. This is at night. The sun is down. Okay. It's uh, November night in the middle of the woods. They're on a dirt road that no one uses except lumberjacks. I idly assumed that the glow was the sun going down in the west. Then it occurred to me that the sun had set an, uh, half an hour ago. So he thought it was the sun going down, then realized it was nighttime. That's how bright it was. Okay. Yeah. Curious, I thought it might be the light of some hunters camped there, headlights, maybe a fire. Uh, Some of the guys must have caught sight of it too because the men on the right side of the truck had fallen silent. As we continued driving up the road toward the brightness, we passed inside of it for an instant. We barely got a glimpse through gnarled branches before we rolled past the opening in the trees. Son of a, Alan started. What the hell was that? I asked. My eyes strained to make sense of the glimmering through the dense strand of trees blocking our vision. From my open window, I could see the yellowish brilliance washing across our path 40 yards ahead. From the driver's seat, Mike could not look up with the proper angle without leaning way over. So he demanded, what do you guys see? Dwayne answered, I don't know, but it looked like a crashed plane hanging in a tree. Ooh. That alone would be terrifying to see. That is scary. Um, so they kind of speed through it, through the woods. Suddenly, we were electrified by the most awesome, incredible sight we had seen in our entire lives. Stop, John cried out. Stop the truck. As the truck skidded to a dusty halt in the rocky road, I threw open the door for a clear view of the dazzling sight. My God, Alan yelled. It's a flying saucer. So they could see the actual saucer? In- so they're seeing it. It's hovering over the road now. And they're out of the truck. They got out? Only I would get under the truck, maybe. Only Travis gets out. <laughs> okay. Now this is we're gonna we're gonna get into some weird so, shit. So DB Sweeney has got out of the truck. DB Sweeney's now out of the truck. Um, he's wearing only jeans, a t-shirt, and a denim jacket. Very brawny. He's being very brawny. It's it's November. They're in the desert where it's hot in the day and cold at night. 
Uh-huh. Um, I'm assuming they're at a, a high elevation. So he gets out of the truck. There's a, they all describe it as a large silvery disc above a clearing shining very brightly. Um, they say it's about eight feet high and 20 feet in diameter. If I saw something like this, I would never be able to describe how large it might be. I have no sense of those kind of things. Well, so what is, is the thing itself glowing or is there lights on it like headlights? Um, there's a glowing coming from the inside. So the, and the, then I guess the, the headlights sa- on it. The saucer itself is glowing? That's kind of an odd thing about flying saucers, too, is I just don't understand why they have the same kind of lights that airplanes have. <laughs> you don't, I don't think you need lights I in space. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's not as if uh, someone from Earth was trying to describe something not from Earth. So Walton does what you would normally do when you see a hovering disc that's mm-hmm. glowing. Make you a, get out of the truck and run towards runs it. Runs towards it. Runs towards it. The others are in the truck, freaked out, of course. They're shouting for him to come back. He's just running to the disc. Then he's below it. Say it began making noises, wobbling from side to side. And then a beam of blue-green light coming from the, comes from the disc, strikes him. Lifts him in the air? Yeah, he rose a foot in the air, his arms and legs outstretched. I mean, this is an iconic scene the, in the movie. I, yeah, this is the, yeah, a cool scene. Where man. he gets hit. Um, they're, like, screaming, and they take off. Now, he... Uh, they didn't see him float up into the into the craft. He floated up about a foot, and then like and they left, and him? then like blasted. He got like blasted back towards the ground. Oh, okay. So they're panicking and they leave. They leave him there. They leave him there. Yeah. They bravely ran away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Now this is where the story like uh, if we didn't know how it ended. This is a Dateline episode, so they yeah. get so at seven thirty they get to Heber, Arizona, near Snowflake. So the first they they make a beeline, first payphone they find. They don't just drive a little bit, and then drive back or something. They like and calm down. They just leave their friend. I don't know. I would have been would, so pissed. How would you process this kind of thing though? If this really happened, I mean, we saw. I guess we can't quite spoil it, but we saw something in the desert <laughs> that we'll talk about more in, <laughs> later this season. Later. On World Champion Podcast. I mean, I, I see a shooting star and I kind of freak out. You know, I see a cosmic comet uh-huh. and I get a little shaken. So imagine seeing, your, seeing a honest-to-God UFO and your friend floating in the sky. I just, I don't even know what I'd do. I'd it's be hard, hard to, to process. Say. You it's know hard. what I would do, though? What? Just based on my reaction to other surprising and shocking and unlikely events. I would probably just sit there frozen for a right. very long time. <laughs> right, right. I, I think there's... Now you're talking about... You're talking my language. If yeah. I was in a situation where it was life or death and I had to make a split-second decision, I would be frozen with indecision. Right, because they say flight, uh, fight or flight, mm-hmm. but there is definitely a third option, which is to go completely blank. And just wait it out. And just wait it out, just, yeah. Just see what happens. Fight or flight or wait it out. Um, I saw a car crash. I saw a head-on collision right in front of me. Um, really? Yeah, in, in college. And I, it was so close to me, I, could, I rolled down the window and shouted to the guy who had been, his airbag went off, he was bleeding, he was covered in dust, he was very disheveled. And I, I saw it happen, and then I rolled down the window and I went, Can I borrow $20? I went, Are you okay? No, sorry. And he said, he said, No, call an ambulance. And I went, Kind of looked around. Is that true? Thinking someone should do something. I was literally right next to the man. I was the first person he saw. My face was the first one he saw after his accident. I have since uh, become very good at calling 911. But, so yeah, what, that's probably do you, what I do. do. Remember, I'm probably do you, frozen, and I'm thinking, what is really ha- I can't comprehend that this is happening. Do you remember what, what you were thinking at the moment? Were yeah, you, I was thinking, man, this guy needs help. <laughs> Someone has <laughs> got to call 911. <laughs> Look at this poor guy. Those, yeah, you were right. You were 100% correct. Yeah, it was absolutely bystander syndrome. Um, I think I've gotten over that. That's like, interesting. Yeah, I've seen a lot of weird shit where I've called 911. I saw a kid on a skateboard get hit by a car. Uh-huh. That was the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life, probably. That sounds scary. It's a super busy street. It's right by my duck refuge apartment. <laughs> and uh, I see this moron on a skateboard kind of coming down the hill. The light's green. I'm, I'm in a green light. Uh-huh. And he's coming on a hill and just goes right into traffic against the green light. Wow. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, what is he doing? There's this car in front of me, hits him, 
Uh-huh. And I, I'm thinking in my brain, I just watched a man die. Right. This is like a street where you're driving 40 miles an hour. Oh, man. 45 miles an hour. Thinking, wow, kid, that kid just got killed right He's in front dead. of me. He's dead. His body flies into the air. Whoa. Several feet. Okay. I'm still astonished that mm-hmm. this is happening. He lands on his feet on the roof of the car, and Teen Wolf surfs on it until the car pulls over. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's amazing. He, uh, he had some glass in his hand. That's the best thing I've ever heard. It, I couldn't believe it. I called 911. There's someone uh, in a, another person who saw it who was a nurse. Um, his buddy uh, picked up the skateboard and took off. Whoa. Because they were probably, I think they were high. So you're on, you're on the phone, 911, and they say, what is the, the nature of your emergency? You say, I just saw someone get hit by a car. And then they say, is he responsive? And you go, yeah. He yelled, whoopee. <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. <clears throat> yeah. Interesting. The poor girl in the car had just moved to Salt Lake from a tiny town in Oklahoma mm-hmm. to go to uh, Brigham Young University. <laughs> For less stress. Yeah, she thought she thought she was in like the big city. Right. I think she she was crying, and I think she was even like, "They warned me about the big city." <laughs> and her windshield was smashed. It's really weird. Welcome to the jungle, baby. Yeah. You're gonna die. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was a digression. So they race to the nearest phone. They call the police immediately. No funny business there. You know, it's right. seven thirty. The sun goes. They're, they're off work at six. Sun went down a half hour. So, ago. Yeah. So the sun goes down at five thirty. They're off work at six. Seven thirty. They call the police. Um, they say that someone's missing. Uh, so the cop goes and meets them at where the payphone is. It's like in a mall parking lot. Um, they tell him the story. They're all distraught. Two of them are in tears. Really? Um, the cop is thinking like, well, this is obviously ridiculous, but quote, if they were acting, they were awfully good at it. All of them. Mm -hmm. You're talking seven people, seven guys, seven hardened laborers, you know, rough calloused hands, sinewy muscles. Two br- of them are crying. Brawny men crying. Wow. So they get the sheriff. Um, sheriff comes and talks to them. They, they hear the story. Uh, Rogers. So they're telling the cops they saw a, a, a giant flying saucer. They're saying our buddy's missing. He got hit with a beam from a flying saucer. They're okay. telling them that. Rogers, uh, a.k.a. Robert Patrick, uh, he insists that they go back immediately. T-1000. And, and, and that the cops bring tracking dogs. So he's like, so he's ready. So they, they drove. No, it. no, not those dogs. I want UFO tracking dogs. <laughs> yeah. We need to hunt down these alien scum. Get the UFO dogs. I want a hard target search of every government base, airport hangar, underground <laughs> bunker, <laughs> dog long house. runway, hen house, outhouse, alien house. <laughs> get the little ale in on the phone. So, yeah, so they did. So they, they freaked out. They drove to call the cops, and then they immediately are ready to go back and look for their friend. They want dogs. There's no dogs. But um, so the, the logging crew and the cops go back to where it happened. Uh, three of the guys were too upset to be much help in the search, so they decided to go back and Wait, tell friends and family what they happened. Too, they were crying and stuff? Like, yeah. Like, I might be shocked if I saw a UFO, but I don't know if I would be too upset to, to help. Yeah, and then, well, then they're immediately like, we got to go tell his friends and family that he got killed by a space beam. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's going to be a weird moment. Now, so naturally, law enforcement officers are very suspicious of this story. Uh, Okay, they say mainly because there was nothing in the way of physical evidence to back up the account. Also that, you know, it's extremely far-fetched. Yes. Um, My friend was killed by a dragon. Why don't you believe me? None of these leaves are burnt. You are a terrible detective if you can't tell this is dragon. You're telling me your friend was killed by a dragon, and yet the leaves are untouched, and we searched the ground and found no scales at all. We have not found a hoard of gold (laughs) that he sleeps upon. There's no gold coins anywhere. We got metal detectors out here trying to find a hoard of gold. All we found was a gold nose. Uh, So police and volunteers are there. Um, They're finding no trace. Now, again, it's, it gets down to about 5 to 10 degrees. He's just wearing light clothing. So um, he's going to freeze to death. In one night? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, for sure. Yeah. Um, so a couple of the guys, the sheriff and, and Robert Patrick, I'm just going to call him that to, so That's we're fine. clear about his name. Or, or T-1000. Yeah. So they go tell his mom. Um, the, the, the cops kind of think she's acting a bit suspicious because she doesn't seem too upset by it. Mm-hmm. 
So that comes into play later. Um, they say her response was odd. She was very reserved, um, which contributed to growing suspicion among the police that something other than a UFO was responsible for Walton's absence. Now, did, did Walton owe a lot of money to anyone? Okay, that is a thing that um, they hadn't uh, gotten enough work done. Oh. The whole crew. And so they're like, shit, we're going to lose our contract because we didn't do enough work. Interesting. Now, at this point, though, if I'm the cops, I'm not even thinking that yet. I'm thinking they accidentally killed this guy. Right. Or murdered him in a fit of rage. Right. And now they're trying to cover this up. In the dumbest way possible. In the dumbest way possible. But that makes total sense. I mean, that's not a far-fetched story at all. Mm-hmm. That, like, maybe they're even just, like, fucking around. It's an accident. Chainsaw accident. Right. That's, which is, you know, they're cutting down heavy trees right. with chainsaws. And, like, we, and we learned in the Best and Worst Jobs episode... Yeah. Two episodes ago that, that Lumberjack's in there. Yeah. It's dangerous. Yeah, so someone could have screwed up and dropped a tree on Travis. Right. Travis could have screwed up and severed an artery with his chainsaw. Yep. Or, you know, they start arguing about something stupid. Mm-hmm. And they got in a fight. So at this point, I'm in the story, and I'm, you know, I know how it ends, but I'm thinking he died or they killed him or whatever. Right. They burned his body and threw it in a pond and now they're like oh shit we gotta explain why he's missing maybe this is the nuclear option maybe this is like come up with something so insane it, it'll it just might work because it'll just confuse everybody right because if you're telling the cops like oh he disappeared where, where's the last place you saw him and then you're like oh crap it was where yeah. i buried him yeah uh but instead if you go like let's just swing swing for the fences oh yeah he was kidnapped by a ufo yeah that's true. Deal with that, detective. Homicide detective. Yeah. How you like me now? <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, because if you just say we, we were supposed to meet at the truck and he didn't show. Right. They're going to look. Then they're going to start saying, oh, he didn't, huh? Well, did anyone have any beef with him? Do you owe anyone money? Well, he did owe me $5,000, but, and I was, it was due today, actually, uh, but the, 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 that's not related. <laughs> So totally. So they're searching the hell out of the area. They've got helicopters. They've got police on horses. Um, they got jeeps. Right. So they're doing their best to find him. Um, now within a couple of days, he's now famous. Uh, news reporters, ufologists, and the curious all descend upon the tiny town of Snowflake, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Phoenix UFO investigator named Fred Sylvanus. A made-up name, if ever there was one. Doesn't okay. that literally translate into the forest or the woods? Sylvanus, for sure, is some kind of elf word. Yeah. That's, that's it's like from Lord fake of... heavy metal Latin. Yeah, it's from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So Fred Sylvanus, so-called <laughs> Phoenix UFO investigator, is probably a man in black disguising as a concerned citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. So two of the men make statements... Uh, that later come come back to haunt them. Um, so his brother is there, Dwayne Walton. Mm-hmm. Dwayne says that uh, about 12 years earlier, Dwayne saw a UFO similar to the one they just saw and reported that he and Travis both decided that if they had a chance, they would get as close as possible to any UFO they might ever see. <laughs> so 12 years ago, they made a pact. If we ever see a UFO... Put it there, bro. Come on, pinky swear. Yeah, we're going to get as close to it as possible. We see a UFO, you know we're getting close, brother. Uh, Dwayne also suggested that Walton would not be injured by the aliens because, quote, they don't harm people. Based on what? Based on, but on an oath that he made up? Like, what's he, <laughs> right. Everybody he, knows UFOs don't If you see a UFO, don't, harm don't even worry about it. They don't hurt people. Um, and then they report... so. So this has thrown things off because Walton later said, that's not true. I never cared about UFOs. I never cared about abductions. So I don't know why my brother Dwayne is saying we had a UFO pact. <laughs> he was probably like, oh, God, why did you talk to Dwayne? <laughs> I haven't talked to him myself in 20 years. So now, and this is really kind of bizarre now, too. The town marshal, whose name is Sanford Flake. <laughs> <laughs> Could you come up with a a, a, a more goofy, fictitious name for an incompetent local cop. Yeah. Sanford Flake. Oh, it's Sanford Flake, the local goofball idiot cop. He's a yokel. He doesn't know shit. So now at this point, um, the man is still missing. Mm -hmm. Sanford declares that this whole affair is a prank. They fooled the logging crew by lighting a balloon and releasing it at the appropriate time. Mm -hmm. 
He's sm- smart man. Yeah, uh, it was just the brothers trying to prank the crew. But at this point, a man is still missing it's in the pr- woods. It's a prank that's gone too far. It's yeah. one of those things where he's he's now got hundreds of people looking for him, and he's hiding in a ditch, going, "What was I thinking?" Yeah. Um, or he's not, or he's being probed. Yeah. So uh, they just they they keep looking for him, but they're growing more and more suspicious. Is that, this all that the same night? Or is, is this over a couple it's weeks? About three days, three or three four days, days I okay. think. Um, oh, maybe it's a full week. I uh, will we'll get to that. Um, so Dwayne, the brother, spoke to a guy named William H. Spalding of the publication Ground Saucer Watch. A very reputable. Um, Spalding news suggested that if Travis Walton never returned, uh, that they would provide a doctor to examine him in confidence. And he said, when Travis comes back, tell him not to pee yet until we can uh, right, get it, it tested. Put it in a bottle. Put it in a bottle and FedEx it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so it's November 10th now. It's five days later. Um, we're taking polygraph tests, which I, 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 I don't even know if it's worth it to talk about. These polygraph tests, I think, have been extensively... Uh, debunked. In general, they don't seem to be very accurate. Yeah, so um, I mean, they all denied that any of them harmed Walton or know of anyone harming him. They said they don't know where his body was. They insisted they'd seen a UFO. Um, and this is all seven men. Yeah, and then the, the, the polygraph test concluded that they were being truthful and the results are conclusive. Wow. So, so that's interesting. Yeah. But um, so, oh, so the, the guy administering but, the, exa- the test said but they were being conducted by Sanford Blake. <laughs> yeah. Flake. Sanford Flake. Flake. No, this is some guy named uh, Gilson from the Arizona Department of Public Safety. Cy Gilson. Also, Cy Gilson. Also God. total, like, yokel name. Could you make up a more fake name yeah. for I mean, these I, characters I, in I, this story? That's such, a, that's such a perfect name that I hear Cy Gilson. I have no idea what he looks like, but I have a very distinct image of what he looks like. Right. I do, too. Cy Gilson. So, so his conclusion, of course, you're not going to... He's handling this in a measured way. So he's saying, if the, I'm not saying the UFO was real, but if it was fake, these men did not realize that it was fake. Okay. So it, there's still the so possibility that it, it was, was a prank. A prank, a well-executed prank And then prank you, know, you just hide, brothers. hide in the woods for several days. Um, now, in 2009, he did another polygraph test and uh, apparently did not pass it. I'm not... I'm he not, being uh, who? Uh, Travis Walton. Himself. Yeah, so the, maybe I spoiled the, it. He the comes miss- back. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, the missing guy, yeah. The missing guy, huh? Yeah. What would there be to gain by, by lying? If this is a total prank, what would the point be? Um, well, I mean, he's... Weird fame? The, yeah, weird fame, I guess. I, either it, it could have been something that got out of hand. It could have been oh, a weird... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have been a prank, a goof. Well, they called the cops and they were crying, though. Yeah, yeah. And that seems like so far to go if they're just trying to explain why they didn't quite finish all their logging for the day. And even if they left, wouldn't he go, oh, oh okay, this has gone, gone on far enough. I'm, why would he hide in the woods for a week after that? Right. Like, if the cops came up looking for him, he'd be like, oh, man, this is a misunderstanding. Yeah. Got, got out of hand. My brother was up in that tree with a flashlight. Yeah. But you're like, shit, well, I guess they're calling the cops. We better hide for, for a week. I always feel like that's how a lot of these things go. Like, my gut feeling is that there's something fairly innocent that just gets way out of hand. Right. And you just get caught up in it. I mean, think of, this could easily happen to the George Costanzas of the world. Yeah. You make one comment, and then suddenly someone wants to follow up on it. Yeah. I mean, I, calling the cops isn't making one comment. And, and his girlfriend will dump him if he's no longer a lumberjack, because she's attracted to lumberjacks. <laughs> right. So he has to keep, no matter what, he has to stay employed as a lumberjack. Yeah. That's very George Costanza. I got this mustache. She's like, she loves it. She loves my. She loves the axe, the suspenders. She loves it all, Jerry. I got a closet full of flannel. That stuff is very itchy, Jerry. Women love lumberjacks. They see the flannel left and right. They're asking me. Anyway, so yeah, I just, I just never think that a group of people would have that kind of wherewithal to think. Let's make up a story, and then, like in a year, you'll write a book about it, and then you'll sell the rights to the movies, and then you'll be a lecturer. Yeah, yeah. There's like, no it way. It seems like no one's thinking that far ahead. Even if, even if this is a total lie, there's no the the end, the end game was like I won't have to pay Harry back that twenty dollars. Yeah, it's not like feature films with <laughs> actors portraying me. <laughs> right. No way. Yeah, exactly. Um, this this is on on Mufon.com. It's called the quote medical exam. Uh, Dwayne remembered Spalding's promise of a confidential medical examination. 
so yeah, so he's back. About five, six days later, he. So he what do you back. mean he's back? He just walks out. He of just the woods? walks. Yeah, he just walks into town. Into town. Yeah. Does he have a beard? Does he look terrible? Um, Is his clothes on inside out? Anything? You know, it just. It, uh, I don't think it goes into that here, but we'll, we'll, let's get to that. Does he's, he walk to the immediately to the hospital? Where does he go? So, so he, he his brother, I guess, finds him. Um, they don't tell the authorities yet that he's back. Interesting. Dwayne <laughs> drives him to Phoenix on Tuesday morning. Because that UFO guy promised them a oh, medical examination. for the pee. Yeah, so they go meet with Dr. Lester Stewart. Travis has got to be rocking back and forth on that drive. <laughs> it's a long drive, and he still hasn't peed yet. He hasn't peed in days. Yeah. yeah oh, but, my God. Uh, it's been a while since I've gone 24 hours without peeing. Um, the Waltons were disappointed to discover that Dr. Lester Stewart was not a medical doctor, but a hypnotherapist. Uh, Spalding and Stewart would later report that the Waltons stayed with them for over two hours while the Waltons insist they were there for only 45 minutes because obviously they were <laughs> hypnotized. Um, <laughs> they say that they were there for 45 minutes, most of which were occupied with trying to determine the nature of Stewart's qualifications. <laughs> uh, the precise time spent with Stewart would later become an issue in the case. I no. love that. Do you have any, any certificates? Yeah, we're back there in the other room. Um, Can, may we see them? No, you don't need you to don't see need, them. You don't need to see them because you are a chicken. So on Travis's own website on the FAQ, uh, did you recall your experiences only under regressive hypnosis? No, I did not recall any experiences under hypnosis that I could not remember before. The, exper- the hypnosis did help me verbalize my experience in greater detail without anxiety, but it did not help me regain lost memories. In the movie, isn't he having dreams or weird flashes of, of memory? Yeah, he com- I think the movie, he comes back right away, and yeah. then he's remembering all the shit that happened. Because in this version, he, he apparently remembers everything immediately. It's not coming back in weird chunks in his memory. He says he remembered the whole thing. The whole long. thing the whole time. Yeah. Okay. Um, so by Tuesday afternoon, word of Walton's return leaked to the public. His brother took a phone call from Spalding, this UFO investigating scoundrel, said to Spalding, don't bother us ever again. And then Spalding became a sworn enemy in the case. So I believe he then set out to maybe discredit them because mm-hmm. they weren't cooperating with him. Okay. Um, another civilian UFO That's group contacted so- him. Sounds like the scientific method yeah. at work. Yeah. Now, um, so at this point, he does get a medical examination provided, a provided by the National Enquirer <laughs> in partnership with the APRO. So the medical examination revealed that he was in good health, but he had two unusual features, a small red spot at the crease of his right elbow consistent with a hypodermic injection. Okay. Heroin addict that lied about being kidnapped. Uh, analysis of his urine revealed a lack of ketones. This was unusual given that if Walton had indeed been gone for five days with little or no food, as he insisted, and as his weight loss suggested. So he lost weight. He did lose weight. His body should have begun breaking down fats in order to survive, which should have led to very high levels of ketone in his urine. Ah. Pesky science. (laughs) I know. Pesky science. Um... He would later speculate that he had gotten the mark in the course of his logging work. Critics would speculate that the mark showed where Walton had injected drugs into his system. They're saying it's probably not drugs. It actually wasn't near a vein. Uh, it's just a weird, like it's a, just a weird, like a spider cut. bite. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he was in the woods. Probably mosquitoes everywhere. Yeah. So that's kind of the aftermath. Let's get into the the meat of this, which is his recollections inside the UFO. Okay. Let's do it. Um, so he approached the UFO. The last thing he remembers is being struck by that beam of light. He awakes, awakens in a reclined bed with a bright light over him. The air is heavy and wet. He's in pain and is having trouble breathing, but he still thinks he's in a normal hospital. So I read you that quote where he sees the, the beings. Um, saying they have eyes the size of quarters, that's... Our eyes are bigger that's than That's kind of not that, yeah, that's kind of not really that Barely huge. Barely bigger. Yeah. yeah. It's just someone that's surprised. Um, so he's surrounded by three figures in orange jumpsuits, not human. Um, but they wear clothes? Yeah. He doesn't want to see some alien wiener. Yeah. Um, so what he describes are pretty much the grays, the classic alien. Right. Shorter than five feet, bald heads, no hair, very large domed heads. He says they look like fetuses. Enormous eyes, uh, all brown. Creepiest thing about them was those eyes. 
their ears, noses, and mouths seemed real small, but maybe that's just because their eyes are so huge. I do want to say that in the Fire in the Sky movie, the aliens are really creepy. They're creepy as shit, Super man. creepy. Aren't there a couple different kinds, too? I feel like there's different kinds. I haven't watched it in 20 years, but it, yeah. I had nightmares about... There's a part where... I think it's this scene in the movie where he's being taken to some medical examination thing. Yeah. And one of them... They're, aren't they wearing like gas masks or something? And he knocks one off. Oh, then, maybe and, that's it. They and have then, some kind of mask. And then on. one turns and it's it like kind of snarls at him. And it, yeah, it gave me the willies, man. Oh yeah, I'm for sure gonna have nightmares tonight. All right, good. Uh, yeah, that's and uh, and hopefully you, dear listener, as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, they're really creepy. Oh, and they, put, they put like a weird mask on him, and like they're jamming stuff in his yeah, mouth. Yeah, they're sticking stuff in his butt and his mouth. And oh, and then he finds a he finds a corpse there too. He's like in a room full of humans. Oh, so they've and like, one of them's like all cut in half. That's yeah, that's not something you want to see. Yeah. Um, so he fears for his safety, jumps to his feet, yells at him to stay away. Um, he does say that he he grabs a piece of glass and tries to break it into a shiv. Um, what do you mean? Gla- grabs a piece of glass. He grabs like a like a tube, like a glass tube. Oh, okay. Tries to break it. It's unbreakable. He's waving it around. They leave him alone. Um, uh, this portion of the narrative is troublingly inconsistent, says one of the critics, noting that despite his weakened condition, aching body, and splitting pain in his skull, uh, maladies for which no cause is suggested, he has no trouble jumping up from his operating table. Seizing a conveniently placed inanimate glass-like rod and assuming a karate fighting stance. Sure. Threatening them with this display of macho aggression enough to cause them to run away. Oh, they run out of fear. They ran away out of fear, yeah. All right. And then they don't check on him. So now he leaves the room and he's just walking around on the ship. Oh, cool. Um, so he, he leaves via hallway, finds a spherical room with only a high-backed chair placed in the center of the room. Uh, he walks towards it. Green lights appear in the room. The chair's empty. So he, what would you do? You sit down. Yeah, take, take a breather. Yeah. Um, he says the room is filled with lights similar to the stars on a planetarium ceiling. <laughs> so that's their map, I guess? Of course. Or just their is. rec room. They just yeah. get cheebed and yeah, go yeah, look yeah, at laser shows. Time to just sit back and watch Laser Floyd. Um, the chair is equipped on the left arm with a short... Thick lever with an oddly shaped molded handle atop some dark brown material. On the right arm, there's an illuminated lime green screen about five inches square with black lines intersected all angles. So he's describing the captain's chair from I Star know, Trek. This is goofy. This is like uh, one of those video games you sit in. But it's, it's, got, it's got a giant lever. It's, it's like, it so sounds, it's got a lever on one side and then like, like a touchpad. It's like the, the UFO for Marvin the Martian. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, Him and Bugs Bunny escaped with their lives. Yeah, so naturally he just starts messing with the lever. Of course, you start just yanking on stuff. Yeah, and he says as he did, the stars rotated around him slowly. So he's steering the ship. So they're like, we're going to operate on this guy. Oh, no, he knows karate. He's on the bridge. He's so, a black belt. So, so they're all hiding in like a closet, and then they're like, you feel something? Yeah. Is the ship moving? Oh, he's no. on the bridge. <laughs> did you lock the bridge? No, I didn't lock the bridge. I thought you were supposed to lock the bridge. You idiot! Did you leave the keys in the ignition? Yeah. The ship is running? So uh, he turns around. <coughs> Here's a sound. Expects to see a, another one of those little grays, but is pleasantly surprised to see a tall human figure wearing blue coveralls with a glassy helmet. So now he's seeing someone from like the cover uh, of a pulp fiction magazine. Nice. He's seeing one of the Jetsons. Right. Um, the man's eyes were large and bright gold, but he's just a man. What the hell? So he's like an elf. He asked the man a number of questions. <laughs> Sylvanas. But the man only grinned and motioned for him to follow. Uh, Walton also said that because of the man's helmet, he might have been unable to hear him. So he's asking questions, and the guy's just grinning because he can't hear through his big glass helmet. I, I, I can't hear you. I'm sorry, I can't. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't hear. Um, they go into something that he describes as an aircraft hangar. And, this um, is in the ship. Yeah, and so he sees the, the flying saucer in there. So he's now in something. He's in the mothership now. Oh. So, so the flying saucer kidnapped space. him, took him up to space into the big ship. Oh, wow. Um, uh, in the hangar-like room, Walton reports seeing other disc-shaped craft. The man led him to another room containing three more humans, a, wo- a woman and two men, that appeared the same as the helmeted men. So he's asking them questions, and they just respond with that same dull grin. So who are these people? Yeah. Um, so then they take him to a table, and the woman has like an oxygen mask that she puts on his face. Uh, before he could fight back, he passed out. 
and woke up again at a gas station in Heber, Arizona. One of the ships is hovering over him, and it takes off, and then he goes and calls his, his brother in law from a payphone. And this is this is five days have have passed. Yeah. Okay. So that's all he remembers from the ship. Hmm. Um, so the speculation at this point is that he got conked on the head and drugged, then taken to a normal hospital, where right. because you know he didn't even have to be drugged for this. This could be concussion. Yeah. Protocol. Head injury. So some. So okay. This is what fucking happened. Or drug overdose. We, I, I, and there's there's a lot going on. There's a lot of controversy. Uh, suppressed memories. I mean, he's he wrote a best-selling novel called The Walton Experience, or not novel, a, a biography, I guess. Um, you know, sold the rights to Fire in the Sky. Um, apparently, his book has a lot of just fundamental logical errors. <laughs> um, Walton promises uh, self-righteously that he intends to only relate events and not interpret them. <laughs> but the reader will see almost immediately that large sections of the book are nothing more than highly speculative, purely imaginative recreations on his part. For example, after he is knocked unconscious by the blue beam, Walton offers precise novelistic dialogue describing the conversations of his fellow crew workers after they drove away. Yet Walton never mentions whether he's paraphrasing their, word, paraphrasing their words if he interviewed them to determine who said what, or if he's just assuming what they said. That's interesting. Um, the la- this represents a lack of concern for literal accuracy that the reader cannot help but suspect is characteristic of the entire work. Wow. Um, he eventually became foreman of the lumber mill. All right. So that's nice. That's nice. I uh, got married, had several children, and uh, kind of appears on UFO specials and on the circuit. Uh, of course, the movie came out. Um, uh, so nothing it- happened since. That's it. He was taken. The guys were probing him. He scared him off with his his macho-ness. Yeah. He met some gold-eyed people wearing helmets. Who grinned at him. Who grinned at him. He got in his George Jetson seat, and then he wakes up. And that's it. There's no... What, what is... What is what, are the, what does the crew think of this? Um, I guess since they're crying and stuff, they, they'll believe anything. Yeah. I mean, uh, this, guy, um, this guy, Philip J. Class, an aviation journalist and well-known UFO debunker, he launched a big campaign trying to discredit him. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they say that, you know, he's guilty of... Well, they, they, he's the one who who found out that they were going to default on their Forest Service contract. So... And that this whole thing might be because they didn't do a good enough job and they were going to violate their contract. Mm-hmm. So they made this stuff up. Um, so he's going to disprove a story by someone... So he's going to just disprove something that can't be proved anyway? Yeah, there's real... Yeah, like... Does, does he even need to disprove it? Does, yeah, isn't, that's a good point. Isn't... Doesn't Walt have to... What was his last name? Waltman or something? Walton. Walton. Doesn't, isn't the burden of proof on him? You know, that's an interesting thing, too. Like, you, we kind of hear those, those morons on the internet who are like, I'm going to disprove that there's no God. Right. And really, the only possible way to prove that there is no God is if God himself said that. Right. <laughs> so It's quite a challenge. It's a real challenge Just, either way. Disprove something that you can't prove. That can't possibly be proven. You've got your work cut out for you. Yeah. So, so Class's whole big thing is that it's um, the contract, but they never even tried, like, uh, Rogers, Robert Patrick, never even tried to get out of the contract. So, okay. so this Class guy kind of just has a chip on his shoulder about this. Uh, they appeared on Larry King together, Robert Patrick, Travis Walton, mm-hmm. and this Class guy. Uh, they're on Larry King Live. Class loses his temper and called him a goddamn liar. Wow. Wow. So I'm going to tell you what happened. Yeah. I think I, yeah, I think we maybe know what happened. There's a little bit of a little bit of the truth has been leaking out throughout this whole story. And I would say you you talked about how they were they had not done their job, they had a, they had a contract they weren't going to fulfill. So that's true. Yeah. Now, though the problem is the contract was with the aliens. I'm going to hit you with oh so the prob- so they okay. came to collect their money. That's what this is all about. The lights, the oh. whole shebang. This was this was kind of a shock and awe. Let's really scare the shit out of these guys. Get them to finish the job. We'll take one of them, get, get and make him so screwed up. He, you know he has no choice but to get the job done. Make the other guys go along with it. Maybe they'll make some money off the books and stuff that they can give us instead as aliens. Like go down, sell the book. Go so on, they were go maybe, on TV. They were maybe clear in the forest to make a landing spot, make a runway landing mm-hmm. pad for these aliens. Right, mm-hmm. and, and they, mm-hmm. the aliens paid them up front, which was stupid. They, they, they know it. They know it was stupid on their part to pay them up front. 
but now well, they don't they don't know our earthen ways. They arrived at the scheduled time. Earth, Earth man, we yeah. do not understand your contractual ways. Right. You have misled us, Terran. And they show up at the designated time, and the yeah. trees aren't removed. So what do they do? They follow they the truck. They can't land. Yeah. The truck's taken off. And they say, hey, guys. Yeah. We need, a, we need a landing spot like we paid you. They have to chase the truck, man. Yeah. And they say, all right. We're gonna, they don't quite understand exactly the, the worth of humans. They take one. They say, you give us our money, you get your friend back. It's very mobster. Oh, yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. That, I'm, I'm inclined to believe that. Believe that to believe that. Believe that. Believe that. Uh, I'm going to offer an alternate that I, I left this part out because I didn't think it was relevant, and now I think it's, it's the most very relevant. relevant. Okay. I think it's the most relevant. Um, okay. This is from his personal account. He's, ta- he's talking about where everyone is, you know, how you got to kind of spread out because obviously you don't want a tree falling on you. Um, he's saying this, this idiot, Dwayne Smith, uh, didn't quite know where everybody was. He had to be constantly careful to fell my trees so as to miss him. His inexperience or maybe over-eagerness was causing him to work too close to me instead of allowing a little accumulation between us, but at least he was trying. Can't say the same for Steve. Uh, Mike is restacking Steve's sloppy piles. Steve is uh, lazy, et cetera, et cetera. I trying to keep my distance from the other man, but we were coming together in a thick place to one side of the piling strip. The noise of my own saw is loud enough, even with earplugs, without revving all three of them in one spot. Just then I saw a shadow and jumped barely in time to escape a falling tree. I looked to see who had cut it. Alan, his mocking grin, let me know this was no accident. What? I didn't let on that he had needled me. I worked farther up. Alan always cut like a crazy man, etc., etc. Alan had nearly come to blows with almost everyone on the crew, including me. He had a way of picking fights he never finished. Although our differences were forgotten, as far as I was concerned, we were friendly on the job. I suspected that Alan might have one or two lingering bad feelings towards me. So why is he even telling this story? Yeah. I think Alan did drop a tree on his head. Oh, and, and, and succeeded. So Alan purpose, Alan the hothead asshole, right. purposely dropped a tree on Travis's head. So They are freaking out. They're crying because they thought they just murdered they someone. They thought they just murdered someone. Maybe they toss him in the trunk or something. Yeah. No, because Travis said he remembers being in the car, though. They, but he has a terrible concussion now. Yeah, he has a, he, they, they could have they got him in the car to try to take him somewhere, and they realized that he's so injured, and they threw him out, maybe. Yeah, or tossed him on, a, on an ER doorstep and drove off. Right. Um, they could have been suggesting... Now, this is 42 years ago. We know so much about concussions now. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is in the news with football players, wrestlers. Right. Um, one of my favorite baseball players missed two years because he got kneed in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, I know people have gotten divorced because the husband got a concussion and went crazy. So it starts being aggressive, acting differently. Yeah. It's obviously a big thing with uh, the returning war veterans. That's right. So he's got this concussion, doesn't know where he is. He's waking up in a normal hospital. And also, this is 1975 where you don't really need ID mm-hmm. to do shit. You can just show you up. You can and, smoke in a hospital. Yeah, you're smoking in a hospital, and you can, you can get on an airplane and say, Hi, I'm, yeah. I'm Buck Travis. Oh, right this way. There's your seat. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they're not going to necessarily know that it's this missing Travis Walton guy in the hospital. He's there. He's got concussion syndrome. He's hallucinating. They're maybe suggesting shit to him. And these guys just can't think of any better excuse than that a UFO got him. And then a, a UFO came. That's the most messed up part. Is that what Is you're it saying? Really, yeah. Is the UFO actually came, and after this whole elaborate thing, it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. The US, UFO f- showed up. Yeah. And, and who is more defenseless to aliens than a man that's concussed? Yeah. He's not going to defend himself well. That's why he couldn't even break a glass shard into a shiv. Yeah. The man has a head injury. <laughs> He's got a head injury. He did say he woke up with a splitting headache. That's right. And aches all over in a hospital-like bed. Yeah, don't bother him. He's, like, he's dead tired. <laughs> exactly. He, yeah, he probably just saw... Yeah, that's, oh, wow, that's what it was. Yeah, so it's a real tragic. It's a man that had, got a head injury, then got abducted then by got UFOs. Abducted. It explains the whole story. Every part of the story makes sense. How, why he acted so strange on the UFO. Yeah. Why he went along with all these, these bizarre... Why he just started messing with the steering Yeah, yeah. Only yeah. someone who has had a head injury is going to mess with UFO's controls. And that's why the aliens were grinning at him. Not because they couldn't hear him, but because he was just talking gibberish. Right. They thought it was funny. They're like, look at this goofball in here. He's half naked, pulling on the levers. Let's get out of here, you goofball. Let's, let's get you to the hospital. You've had a concussion. Enough fun on this UFO. Yeah. 
It makes total sense if you think about yeah. it and break it down, which we do and did. I'm glad we came to, after 42 years, an answer to that. Yeah, that was pretty good of us. And I, I don't know. I think we deserve a little more credit than we're going to get. But whatever. That's the way of the world. Mm, yeah, what can you do? Uh, write us in. if uh, I, It's been a while since I've even mentioned our stuff. Yeah, throw them out there. Worldchampionpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, we're on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. We don't have too many. Um, so leave us one. Just to make us feel good. At this yeah. point, it doesn't even matter for listeners. We just, I just like to read it and yeah. have a warm little glow in my tummy. Exactly. Um, I mean, I was, I'm not even going to say our Instagram and Facebook, because just look us up. Track them down or don't. Track them down. On Twitter, we're Smogville Fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might start putting content on there. We might not. Facebook is kind of the key. That's where we put most of our content. I update Twitter every week. I just don't use yeah. it much beyond that. Well, you just update it to say the episode's out, usually. But what, what more information do you need, well, I know, exactly. dear listener? Yeah. That's the thing about our show is we work so hard to pack so much amazing, wonderful content into each episode. Mm. We don't need to go throwing out other jokes. The podcast speaks for itself. Yeah, you want to follow us on Twitter and get a little joke about current events or something? No, we're going to save it for the show. So the show is 100%. How -hmm. would you feel if you tuned in and were like, well, all our best jokes and insight we did on Twitter in the middle of the night? Right, or if if you send away for the little... uh, coded coin thing mm-hmm. and you get it and it just says be sure to drink your Ovaltine exactly It'd be ridiculous do you just want a goddamn commercial or do you want content yeah but uh, Facebook we post our things that we mentioned like you know you want to know what these guys look like and stuff like that you're on Facebook anyways just every watch, once in a while watch I the video to, man every once in a while I try to put that on the website but it takes it just takes too much time don't, you don't need to explain it. yourself to these these goofballs. No, if you've ever had a concussion, write in. I'm really curious about that. Yeah, let's hear about concussion. Because again, I was just talking like I actually knew a thing about a concussion, but I kind of don't. This is all just stuff I've picked up from sports radio and other podcasts. So if you've suffered a concussion, I'd be really curious to hear your story. Realchampionpodcast@gmail.com. All right. Back next week, huh? Yeah, definitely. Right. I'm gonna go eat some carnitas. I know, I'm, I'm pretty hungry too. Yeah. And, and the smell coming from the mayoral mansion. And all this bread is stale. It's stale, save it for later to give out. We've got to throw some bread around. Throwing that bread around since 2016. All right. World Champion Podcast. Good night. Good night.